0: Hello, and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 122. This interview is with Greg Sim, CEO of Glasswall Solutions, providing security software to protect companies from cyber attacks and criminality, including such things as zero-day malware attacks and advanced persistent threats. It's a topic of strategic importance. All companies have some level of intellectual property or sensitive data or customer information, and the strategic question is identifying what needs to be protected and how to protect it effectively. In this interview with Greg, we discuss the types of threats and attacks that are out there, what a company and an individual can do to better protect themselves. Definitely, we all need to get a better grip on the topic. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to the Minter
0: Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minterdial, author of themindset.com. That's T H E M Y N D S E T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. So, hello and welcome to the Minter Dialogue. Today, piped in from England, uh, we have Greg Sims. So, tell us, Greg, what is your mindset and what do you do? Oh, Minter, good morning
1: from a horrible rainy London. All right, well, I Uh, I can show you some sun from over here in Paris. Oh, well, I can assure you. I can't show you any sun from from my window here in London. Uh, Well, what do I do? My background is financial services, technology, uh, very much into developing companies, strategies, and really picked up on the whole cybersecurity thing some eight years ago. Uh, my mindset very much into thinking outside the box, uh, old cliche, uh, but very much into into networking. People have huge huge amounts of uh, contacts globally, uh, not just in, in this field, but through my work in philanthropy, and other things. So yeah, uh, quite a varied background.
0: Yeah, you yeah. see, so you're a, 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 an entrepreneur, and and into philanthropy. Tell us about your philanthropic efforts.
1: Philanthropic, really. I, I, I always believe in doing things that you can make a difference to, and, and I mean fundamentally make a difference to the. Uh, I've only really done three or four. Uh, uh, my very first one went into, uh, in, into medical into, pre- a, a wonderful facility called Medis Cinema, where we develop full blown cinemas into into hospitals. We started in in Guys, uh, sorry St Thomas's Hospital in London, where we convert lecture rooms into literally uh, full-blown cinemas for long-term patients, children. We have the movie companies that sponsor them. And and it really is some tremendous work there. I raised over a million pounds for the charity. Went into other medical ones, especially for children. Uh, Some of the rarer charities, rarer illnesses, sorry. Uh, I, I had a home in Miami and spent some time there and... And that was that was fun because I, as I told them, you know, you, you you're not going to cure this this particular illness called Ectodermal beloza or EB, which is a, a, a just an awful skin condition for anyone who does have children, and and to literally thank God every day that you, you that they're healthy uh, compared to some of these these mm. children. So anyway, uh, bottom line, I, I ended up getting them on a sixty-three million dollar appropriation list at the. Department of Defense in the U.S. I know that journey was great, you know, meeting the President, President Obama twice and Clinton, various senators and congressmen and and, and the great of the good in the U.S. And, and had a lot of fun doing it, to be honest. And that's, I think, the other key. You know, you must be able to clear your mind and and apply your own entrepreneurism to the charity eh, to help them get to the next stage. And then laterally, laterally, uh, very much involved in, in military charities here in the in the UK.
0: That's brilliant. Well, I, I, I love to hear about you know bringing meaningfulness into what you're all about. And then on the other side, there's this you know whether it's government or or charities or non for profits, bringing in business acumen, senses of, sense of productivity, efficiency, as well as your business network into those kinds of spaces can only be good.
1: It, it it is, and you know I think charities and, and and in fact even government, you know you 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 have to as I say, at the end of the day I always look at things as being people. It really is about people, and if you can apply what you're good at, and and apply that to the people and and to the knowledge that you've created in, in creating these networks, then it can only be good. And that, that's really why I I can only do so many, as you know, you can only do so many things. But if you apply it to the right things and channel your efforts at the right things. And I, I certainly have proved from, from from a personal as well as the charity point of view that it, it can be done. Yeah, well especially if you have a passion for it. It's just amazing how much more productive you become. You have to. It's, it's number one. Your passion has got to drive yourself, your your business, your charity, whatever event you do, or, you know individual event, but whatever whatever you are doing must be driven by that passion. And for me and you know, my wife will say that. You know, it's my passion is twenty four twenty four seven. I love it. I
0: I know what that under conversation is. I'm sure. So listen, let's um, Greg. Let's talk about uh, glass wall. So, uh, what does glass wall do exactly? And maybe also you can tell us who your typical clients are.
1: Uh, well, glass wall. It, it's very interesting. And a uh, glass wall itself is is very much a, a a unique technology that that really protects a very. Important area of attack and attack vectors in the world of cybersecurity is probably, I would say, it's more interesting to to take us back a little bit into where the cybersecurity world has come from, has started really, and and come from from even just two or three years ago to where we are now, because it really is quite an immature industry from a a, a total security point of view. And I know a lot of your listeners, especially those in the corporate world uh, at a senior level, are 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 now being either fully immersed into the issues of cyber insu- of cyber cover uh, or cyber attacks, and uh, or or are about to be or don't or even yeah. don't know which is worse.
0: So tell, give us a little bit of a spin. I mean, so because it's obviously it's a fast world, moving world, and you've got governments involved, you've got individuals, you have businesses involved. I mean, there's a it's a sprawling, tentacular, sometimes anonymous space. Give us a little
1: bit of a spin on, on the history. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, hey, I mean, you know, fast forward to now. It is a cyber war. It's that unseen war, uh, which is quite incredible. But they uh, and, and growing, you know, about literally two, three years ago. And, and beyond that, you know, cyber was nuisance factor. You know, uh, mostly, you know, you, 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 you hacked into... Or, you visited websites, or, or, and you had the anonymous element, which is still there. Don't get me wrong. But before that, it was, it was a lot of nuisance value by hitting, uh, you know, mostly, a lot of people got hit by hitting porn sites or so just active sites that that could lead to nuisance value by them getting your computer, mostly using it as a botnet, botnet attack, which is then by by basically taking control of your computer, and also the hackers eh, themselves were less proficient as they are now. Now, fast forward, and I won't go in the middle, but hmm. three, four years later, you have a, an absolute, It's it, it, there's a huge shift in everything from the skills of the hacker, the skills of, of the defender, and unfortunately, the skills of the defender are not keeping up with the skills of the hacker. So these hackers are hugely clever, clever people. And in many ways, even in our world, on, let's call it the good side, you have to admire the ways and, and, and how they've tailored their art into, be, into doing some of the things they do. And they're and the very, very proficient people in organisations. And, of course, that is where the, the, the whole area of cyber is getting hugely scary it's getting very, very valuable for the hackers and and uh, very concerning for organizations and government and critical infrastructures.
0: Yeah, but basically on the defending side, it seems that the posture is sort of you defend against what you know about, which means what has been happening. So you're reactive. The hackers are all about sort of, well, where are the holes? And then programming and thinking about uh, well so sort of they're more almost in a futuristic component where they're where they're identifying new new places. So the defenders are always defending against what has been happening. So your 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 uh, virus software will be all the known virus up until today, but there's they can't program where it's very I don't see I don't imagine that they're able to anticipate where the new viruses are going to come from.
1: Correct. And and there there is trouble. I mean to put it in perspective, you know, just a few years ago you'd probably see in, in the multiples of low thousands of, of viruses that are that are being put out there in the world let's say uh, today uh, you know and, and 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 this is validated information you've somewhere in the region of over three hundred and fifty thousand new virus strains each and every day now the problem's being where if you look at it from a, an enterprise or a company uh, perspective you know again just a, just a handful of years ago and less. Companies would have given security as part of their overall IT budget. They would have said, "Here's here's a, here's an amount. In that amount, you you get to secure us." And what the IT individual done at that time, IT person would have said, "Well, I'll tick a box. I'll I'll tick Symantec. I'll tick McAfee. I'll take one of the the ones that just provide antivirus." Did it secure them? No, it didn't. But at that time, did it affect the P and L or did it did it affect them? reputationally no it didn't now again just fast forward those short number of years completely different antivirus in its traditional sense has never worked never never has never will and literally because of the obvious they are relying on identifying the virus so let's say for instance you and I today uh, and, and during this call or after it, we decided to create a virus you know we just sat there and we, we, we typed it up and created a virus Now, we then release that virus. There's only you and I that know about that virus in Mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the problem the antivirus company has is this has to find that virus. It can only find it when the damage is done, meaning it will only Mm -hmm. find it when an organization, especially, has been targeted and that virus is in in their networks. And there is a problem. Their technologies are reactive technologies. So they have to find that virus, write what's called a signature, and a thumbprint or an imprint of the virus. They upload it into their antivirus. And then, of course, you get it. And and that's the problem again. The window of vulnerability is anything from hours to days to weeks to months to never. Yeah, because and people have, still have to upload it.
0: And so, you have to upload it. If- and,
1: and plus, they've got to find it, you know. Yeah. And and there's a problem. So literally, we've done tests recently, uh, and I'll go back to our technology in a short while, where you'll find even, ranging from antiviruses finding 1%, 5%, 10%, 20% of new, see new viruses as a problem. Even the known viruses, uh, many of them miss out on that for, and that's a worry the real worry for any organization. All right, before we get into the
0: technology, just a second. Um, when we're talking about cyber attacks, there, there are two thoughts going to mind. First of all, we talk about viruses, but really that's sort of just one element, I'm going to guess, of the armory that a hacker will use. Because, I mean, otherwise they can just sort of straight get access to you. You don't need necessarily, I suppose, to get a, have a virus to have access you just have to know the the, the loopholes and the weaknesses of a system to get through it and then you know pump out and take all the information you want
1: think, yeah and and well generally the the it's the you have two things: you have their methodology the way that they will hack or get into an organization, then how they deliver the payload because they must deliver a the payload they have to deliver something that understands your network or understands the operating systems that you're using uh, uh, so and that's where these viruses or these these payloads, let's call them, are very, very complex pieces of technology. So the first way is for them to say, right, how will I get into, into your organization? And that and, and again the two areas are, are very aligned and very clever. They'll do a lot on social media. Uh, you know, instantly they could they could find you know somebody like you say who work for a large organization, they'll hack into you, they'll go through LinkedIn. They'll find out who you're linked to. They'll build a whole picture, a whole picture of who you are and who you're talking to. And then, for instance, they'll craft an email. They'll craft an email that comes from you, or or from one of your colleagues to you, and that email has that person's email address, uh, either from you, well, or from you or to you, and and it will be a, a related information related in that email that that would give you no doubt uh, uh, for you to actually go and either click on a link or open the attachment that's linked to that email and this is how clever these guys are that they will they will make it exactly uh, though uh, the the attack is coming from someone that you trust and you know and it's not it's being crafted by these organizations or individuals outside and that's the scary part about 90 over 90 percent of these attacks come through emails because why why is it so low hanging fruit everyone every day uses emails and they use attachments they use documents they use pdf documents they use word documents they use images so for the hacker to embed his payload within any of these elements is is the easy part it's getting that individual to click people do things people click on things yeah
0: i was i was going to ask you about that whether there was you know the whether it was via the internet via email or via devices and usb sticks but to, it sounds very much that the email is the predominant area the,
1: emails are predominant but again you know for an organization it's also quite easy for them to hack in via the website you know as you know people like anonymous love hacking websites and they do all sorts of things. Oh, they do denial of service, where right. they'll, they'll 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 attack you you and I and millions like us computers. They they'll have a little virus in there with a time bomb in it, and then what they'll do is they'll they'll just instantly get all these computers to to throw information or requests at a particular website. What happens is the website can't cope and it crashes. A typical denial nuisance, denial of service attack. But of course, the the hacker also has the ability quite easily to hack into that company's website. Now, here's an interesting thing, that they hack into your company's website. In in that website, of course, companies put all all sorts of information for public use or or for their clients. They'll have PDFs in there of, of research papers or different things, marketing material. So what the hacker does is he'll grab one of that pieces of information, he'll load it with one of these viruses, and he'll put it back. So when
0: Greg, I'm curious. So um, it'll be maybe it's a good conduit back into talking about your technology. And so much of this is happening on email. So I'm going to guess that you have to be rather embedded, you and your team at Glasswall, with the likes of Gmail, Yahoo, uh, Outlook. How how do you? I mean, so do you have to work hand in hand with them, or are you completely sort of just a layer outside of them?
1: Yeah, we, we are literally there outside of them. We do we do work with these organisations mainly because they they're really the deliverer of the email, aren't they? They're the ones that sit in the middle and make sure the email that you send is delivered, the one that the other person sends is delivered to you, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So what we're there to do is to make sure that our technology enhances. That email delivery by having a separate layer of protection. So literally, what Glasswall does is that we take we take the documents and the emails that are being sent, and we literally clean them and sanitize them to a known good. And there's a clue: <laughs> we we don't look for bad. Bad is unknown. Bad, as I say, is the 370,000 new viruses every day that no one knows about. Mm. That's that's unknown and always will be unknown. What we when you send a document or an email and the and the body of that document or email that's known when it's constructed, there's nothing wrong with it. It's only when that hacker gets it and 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 alters, let's call it the DNA. It's better to call it from a high level the DNA of that file. When that file is taken and the DNA is altered, that's where the hacker does his damage. Now you don't know that. You just literally open the document or click on 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 that document and. The rest is pretty much done so in the corporate world or the, the enterprise world the big problem that any organization has outside its network and again the clue in glasswall the name comes from outside of the network they have all this unstructured data it's these versions and variants of the document so for instance if you take an adobe pdf document that hits your network Now, if that document DNA was the same every time, well, that's great. Unfortunately, it isn't. Even over 90% of Adobe PDF DNA formats are not to the standard. And the standard, ironically, is an ISO 32,000 standard. Now, don't get me wrong, over 90% of the 90% are just variants of the standard that are not malicious. But of course, it's that small amount that are malicious that are the danger. So what Glasswall does is it, it breaks down its DNA of the, of the file, it assesses, it assesses against that manufacturer's or the ISO standard in the PDF example, and then it recreates a brand new document inside your network. Mm. So virtually, it's zero chance of any, any bad being able to come through your network. It can only be good. It doesn't touch the integrity of the file, the, the, the information or the content on the file. We don't look at that, it's purely that DNA that we make sure it's good. So in the in the in the seven, eight years we've had a lot of, of research and development and a lot of money spent on our technology, had it tested by government and defence and, and commercial world. It's never had one of these viruses come through because of that.
0: All right, so the question that comes to mind right now is the latency. How quickly can that be
1: done? Very quick. We we'll take take an average size file, say 10 meg file. We'll break it down. We'll tokenize it. Rebuild it in just under two hundred and fifty milliseconds. Oh boy! All right. Uh, so yeah, it's, not an issue. It's, you know, we're, we're passing just now about about a three three. No, sorry, ten emails with three attachments, in in a in two seconds. All right. You know? So um, Glasswall, give us an idea of your size and who your typical clients are. Uh, size: We're about thirty-five, mostly developers a very very intricate development it's very intricate piece of engineering that we've done and uh, that we've spent a lot of money doing that and, and making sure we've built a, a very uh, valuable patent uh, a infrastructure around it the the methodology i describe uh, is is our global patents yeah, our it. target client is large enterprises and this is again where it gets interesting where you see where come, where where these large organizations or larger organizations who I remember how different values to their organizations whether it's information they store that's that's reliant to their intellectual property whether it's their customer information or whether it's a customer uh, you know bank information and and that's where it will be applicable to depending on who the hacker is and depending on the either for them as a criminal organization the hacker or whether it's a state-driven organization all right so uh, talking about your clients um and your
0: target clients Do you see some industries much more ahead of the ball, and then others sort of still completely putting their head in the sand about this? How do you how do you sort of gauge that?
1: Uh, Yes, you 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 do see some, and mainly the ones that collaborate. You know, financial services are are very good at collaborating, although again, a lot of them have reactive technologies still, and a lot of them don't. You know, a lot of them still don't look at innovation, and this is a key. You know, one of our board directors is a gentleman called Steve Katz. Steve was the, third, the world's first uh, chief information security security officer. He runs Citigroup information security and, and, and uh, you know, Morgan Stanley. And, you know, Steve's, Steve's a huge background in security. And as he said, you know, he, he was with us just last week in London, and we had some, uh, some group presentations to law firms. There you go. A fantastic uh, target for holding everything from intellectual property to details and information. And he said, you know, where organizations have really got it wrong is that they've they've knee-jerked to these attacks by looking at their networks and saying, how do we plug the holes? It's like the the finger in the dike. How do we plug all the holes and and bolster our networks and spend millions on, on securing our networks? But the first thing these companies must do is to understand the risks. What are the risks to their organization? What data is crucial, so crucial that they cannot and do not want anyone having access to that information? And then, of course, it's like, a, it's like a, a, a traffic light effect. You know, what's the red, the ones that we've really got to protect the amber and the orange? And then what are the technologies that we need to protect it? So instead of coming from the other way around, it's just let's flood our organisation with technologies which, to be honest with you, some are still mediocre technologies that just don't work or do not do the job that ultimately the risk to their organisation mm-hmm. should be doing. So where I think these companies will, it will go to is companies will start to employ chief information risk officers, those who are, who are commercially adept to understanding the risks of the organisation, and then you'll have a chief information technical officer who the risk officer will pass down the risk to who will find the technologies to plug that risk holes. Mm. And bear in mind, you'll never plug it 100%. The hacker will always find a way. And then what's equally important is you have, you have a process of the what if. If that happens, we can, uh, this is what we do. We call in We call in organizations that can find that attack if there's been an instance. We also are very closely aligned to our PR companies who could produce literature to say, to the outside world, this is this is the sort of thing we're doing. Because, again, that's the problem. A lot of companies now are still hiding the fact, or they don't know. A lot of them don't know. A lot of uh, are hiding the fact that they've been hit. There was a recent PwC article done about a month ago on these attacks. And at the bottom line, which I had to laugh at, I was quite amused at, it said over 78% of the companies we approached regarding giving us information on these attacks did not respond so first of all it just shows the credibility of of the piece in my opinion that was written but secondly these companies have still got their heads in the sand in many ways as to you need to be out there talking to your peers talking within 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 the sectors we just said that to law firms last week please guys get around the table let's understand the risk issues you have and also the type of attacks you've been getting, we also bring in the intelligence service to help in that, for them to understand why and where these attacks are being driven from, whether it's from Eastern Europe, whether it's from China, whether it's even from some of the friend, the more I dare to say, the friendly uh, uh, organisation or sorry, countries who just want information, right? Who are looking for corporate espionage? You you name it, it's all happening. Yeah, I love
0: this pro. I mean, really, that's something that I I. Strongly advise because this notion of, of these uh, red lights, traffic lights, because identifying what's really vital and, and whether it's your IP or, of course, customer data, that becomes you know your battleground, your strategic difference. Then, then put that in the the strongest lockbox you can have, in in order not to make the the feeling of. We're in a total security. I, Samsung, to name one, is one of those kind of companies which is more in a plug the hole kind of situation. I feel, where in their digital city in Seoul, every little USB key is photographed and and identified. So they're trying to sieve through, sift through everything that's coming through the door in their office space, every item that's being communicated into. Whereas I feel like if they were more strategic in the selection of the items I feel they needed to protect it, they would foster a more open, collaborative environment uh, with crowdsourcing and bring in the other sort of e- part, 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 people into their ecosystem.
1: Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. And bear in mind, as as what organizations like Samsung and like some of the organizations that might be listening to to, to your podcast on this, Minty, is that it's as much of an internal problem as well as an external hacking problem. Yeah. You know, number one rule here is people click on things. They just do. Whether it's I send you an email with an embedded link, and that embedded link is quite innocuous because the embed, sorry, the, the, the visible link is innocuous. So it says, for instance, www.google.com, but the embedded link that you don't see is www.shanghai.com. All right, just to, I mean, you
0: know, like this is the neophyte speaking, uh, a, a link in my email is innocuous. In other words, if I receive an email, until yeah. I've acted on it, it remains innocuous?
1: Yeah, of course. And, and that's what I mean is the, 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 the link that you're reading, the google.com one, is innocuous, right? Because you think, well, it's google.com. That can't be harmful. But the embedded one, remember, I'm going back to the DNA. The embedded link that's underneath the Google one is off somewhere else. We all right. So,
0: all right. One of the things um, that's patently out there, Greg, is this notion of the cloud. And there's, yeah. I think, I will almost have seen a in an ebb and flow with regard to the safety of the cloud. How do you view the cloud? And you know, when you have a CEO in front of you from a company, are you saying you know, go for it or caveat?
1: Well, companies will go for it. In my view, I, I mean, my view is, of course, any, you know, you must learn as an individual or an organisation that literally anything you put out there, always assume that somebody can find it. Always assume that somebody can get that information. Whether you're an individual, just put in, uh, you've, you've, you've clicked all the privacy buttons you want on Facebook or, or on LinkedIn, somebody can get that data. End of. So there you are. From a company point of view, they're very driven by efficiencies and costs, of course. And what the cloud provides them is the ability not to keep boxes inside their organization. Because boxes are expensive. I mean, boxes of data and boxes of how how they actually control the amounts of data. Where in the cloud, they have a lot more flexibility and freedom. And they'll create private cloud networks where they'll, where they'll take uh, areas within, within secure and then then have their own private bit that no one can, can, come in out, can come in and out of apart from them. Now, that's fine, of course, and that gives them efficiencies and speed and cost savings and all that sort of thing. But, of course, the problem still comes with the fact that it's, A, not being held within their organisation, it's been held outside, and secondly, they still have got to bring that data from outside in. And, again, that's where we fit. We, we're very much mm-hmm. in that cross-domain where we can sit in the middle and cleanse and sanitise. So that, that's the ups and the downs. So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm for it. I'm not saying I'm against it. It's horses for courses, but most organizations are driven mostly by efficiencies and costs. All right, so still, still over security. Yeah. Security is growing as a factor, but it's still one of those that, you know, put it this way they're not going to, if you take, say, a telecoms business, they're not going to jeopardize their efficiencies and speed, which their consumer is, is monitoring them on or measuring them on. To
0: security. Yeah, it's sort of hard to gauge or put a price on something. I don't know how big it's going to be bad. There, there where where, where we've got insurances, where you you know you, you take out insurance about potential car accident when you're going to hire a car, but in this particular case, I think people, most people, don't really gauge the, the level of uh, disaster that could be happening, regardless right. of like a social media disaster. So how do you put a a premium on that?
1: Well, well, again, it's very difficult. And and this is where, again, going back to my my point on these companies and organisations. You must sit down at a board level and have your chief information security, whoever it is, and, and come and agree the risk to your company. And that's one of them. And, you know, again, we have some tremendous, uh, you know, real examples of that. You know, take in the USA, the uh, the uh, well, two companies, I mean, Target, Target, sure. The Target attack in the in the department stores, there was an interesting one. That actually was instigated through one of their suppliers. Why? Because Target had a reasonably good security infrastructure. The hacker went, well, do you know what I'll do? I'll go and hack his supplier. He's smaller. He doesn't have the money available to provide the infrastructure. So he hacked him in there via an email, actually to their air conditioner and refrigeration company. That email, knowing that this would be passed on to Target, or or being able to access this this supplies infrastructure, would ultimately they had a direct link into Target. Got into Target, the, the the virus then the payload was that clever. It went through all Target systems and ended up in every PDQ machine. So every time somebody swiped a card, uh, the data was was sent to a command and control server, and then of course this is where where policing and the insurance you mentioned insurance, gets very difficult. Police, remember, can, can, can look out for and, and, and go and apprehend criminal gangs. A lot of the internet policing is difficult because it's run by criminal networks. So if I'm that recipient of all that data, the 30 million or so credit card details or debit card details that I've just received, that's no use on its own. So, so these guys then go into the dark web and for instance, you, Minty, as an example in the dark web. I don't know you. I don't need to know you. But I know that you're somebody that can get me social security numbers. Yeah. I know somebody else that gets another piece of data. So by piecing this information together, it becomes very valuable. And that's where the losses were. Now, when you look at Target, their 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 CEO lost his job. But then again, I don't think it was all because of the attack. You know, they'd already had a decline in sales and. Mm -hmm. And market share as well. So I think it was probably icing on the cake, Mm -hmm. but certainly their security team did. Now, if you pass forward today, their market cap is is virtually back, or or I think just above where it was. Their sales, because people still shop there, their sales have increased, but the CEOs lost a job. And here's the key the insurance company have lost many millions. You know, literally we're talking 48, 50 million and climbing. Mm-hmm. And and that's the other interesting thing. The insurers have no idea currently of how to insure the risk. They don't know what the risk is. Is it a reputational risk? Is it is it real customer risk? That and and of course where these it so it's all joined. Last week with Steve Katz, we had a group of Lloyd's underwriters. And and as you know, Lloyd's is the center in the world of of insurance, mm-hmm. and they said, We've just no idea. And it's not their fault, by the way. They can only be fed on the intelligence and information gathering from their customers and, mm-hmm. and, and, and how competent they are at understanding the risks and the technologies. So it just goes to show uh, the, the real, uh, it, it's just so diverse mm. and affects everyone. And, and you're dead right. The company, the you know, it might say, Well, Target, that's great. But if you're a company like Sony, or if you're a law firm, or if you're a bank, and all of a sudden people are saying, 100%, my data is being leaked out there, it's publicized, it could could be catastrophic. It'd be like rats off a sinking ship. We had another one recently in the UK, and it was a biotech company. It was announced by the government to show the awareness of what can happen. They spent five years in R&D. As you know, biotech is hugely expensive, Mm -hmm. and it's all R&D. They were hacked by the Chinese Their information taken. The product was was manufactured and distributed and they lost a billion dollars in R&D. Yes,
0: yeah, as you're saying, you know, these are like these uh, anonymous networks in the dark web run with uh, IPs that they sort of pirated and sometimes sponsored by the government. That makes for a horrible mess. It's I, horrible. Uh, it yeah. does. So, Greg, um, one last question. Um, and it's just, it's really part of my uh, my own personal curiosity there's a, there's basically pc the world of microsoft and so on has the dominant market share still um, and there was always this notion that the the pc world was much more vulnerable and that mac has created an ecosystem that has a walled garden around it and is less penetrable tell us is that is the veneer off that is that is that still true and how do you answer that
1: yeah, I mean it's the veneer. The veneer is off that. It's it's not true. I mean Mac itself. It's really their operating system is locked down. But again, if you take the methodologies that are being used by these attackers, and also bear in mind, the attacker is always going to go for the low hanging fruit. He's always going to go for for the easy routes because, of course, it just makes it easy for him. It makes life easy if somebody's using a corrupt Microsoft Office file or format, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But again, Apple, even though their operating systems locked down, they cannot. Very difficult for them to stop people people downloading apps. Again, your app might look very identical to, say, a Bank of America app, but as soon as you click on it, that's it. They're into your they're into your system and they're taking information. But they have you do you know you get very you get ones that are friendly. I mean, let me sum it up by saying that you could. I recently found out that even on on, I believe, British Airways. You can download it up and, of course, it's great because you click on it and it sends you your e-ticket and all that stuff. Yeah. But by clicking the terms and conditions on it have given them authority for them to access your diary so they can track where you're going. So they can send you marketing information. So there you go. That that leads from a, a a level of, look, that's great and 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 or possibly great. Although who who reads all the millions of lines of terms and conditions yeah. into something that can be very dangerous from a hacker point of view. So from Apple, uh, uh, from whether it's an Apple system, uh, I mean our guys have already broken Apple phones by just by sending a, an innocuous business card with a buffer overflow, meaning if the phone crashes, it can get information from that phone. There's lots of ways of doing it, Minty, so no one no one is impregnable. Oh, there was, dreaming away. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Great! Sorry, sorry to ruin your Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, but
0: absolutely love chatting with you, Greg. I mean, I, I feel like I've, I, I feel actually a little bit frustrated because I had a lot more things I wanted to ask you. But time is of the essence. And I appreciate you taking your precious Sunday to chat with me. So, uh, Greg, tell us, um, how can people get in touch with you, understand better gospel? Of course, there's the link to the site, but any others, any of other links we can uh, put in there for them for you?
1: yeah sure we've we've got some great links in there that that have some great information on these different types of attacks from a glass wall point of view of course it's uh, you know i mean uh, uh, i I hate kind of sitting here and being a marketing thing I don't do that I'm very passionate about the industry I'm in and of course about the technology that we have because it is unique mm. but we, we have some great research papers in there independent research papers on on how these email attacks are driven to companies and 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 how really our paradigm shifting in making sure we can control that that unstructured data that I was telling you about, and also to apply these policies. Uh, and what our technology does is is really by giving the policy controls of the files back to the companies, who in turn can assess them against the risks that's coming into the company. So we've got a whole right. bunch of stuff of that 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 is in the in the glass wall, uh, www.glasswall.com. A, a website. Don't you know, def- I'll put those in. I just, uh, then just, just
0: struck me. Do you have a source that you, or, you know, a, some sources that you go to, to stay up to date that we could, that the listeners could uh, go and plunge into as well. I mean, I know your site has stuff, but is there like, you know, where do you, what do you read to stay up to date with all this stuff?
1: Uh, well, to be honest with you, we, we rely very much the, the stuff you read. <laughs> the unfortunate thing from our point of view on things that you read are things that already have been done. And yes, we can say to a company, if you were hacked and it was through an email, this is how we would have stopped it for you. Mm-hmm. And and that's great intelligence for a company to understand that mm-hmm. because they they really don't have technologies that can that, that, that can combat the element. But a lot of the things that we we try and gather through our intelligence connections are, is the things that have not happened yet. It's yes. <laughs> to try and understand why these hackers and where they're coming from and so that we can communicate that with our customers. Because mm-hmm. as much as we can defend them in areas, our customers need to understand why these attacks are happening right. and so, where they're coming from. Yes. And that's information that, unfortunately, we don't have public, right. uh, but we do have the organizations that supply that information. We can, again, tell your customers if they need it. So my, my FaceTime is going crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so yeah, totally get that. And I was thinking maybe then the better thing is to go like, to black hat conferences and understand hacker mentality.
1: Oh, yeah. And of course, remember, you know, the other scary thing before you, before you go to bed is that we have the Internet of Things on our doorstep. Yeah. And there you go. You know, when when your electric toothbrush starts to, to clean your teeth on its own, if you know what I mean? Or, or there was a great one at Blackout uh, this year. My guys went to it and they had a couple of hackers uh, with, with ABC, I think it was, in the back of a car. And they had the cameraman and the, and the, and the, and the reporter. The reporter was driving. And they were playing about, and the two guys in the back of the car linked in through Bluetooth and actually took the car off the road. Oh, my God. Took took control of the steering. So there you go. It gets very scary (sighs) on the internet, All right.
0: Well, Greg, I can see we have a need to stay in touch. Greg, thanks very much for being on board. And I put all that in the show notes, and uh, we'll be looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you, Minty. Thanks very much. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com. That's mindset with a Y where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it on iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs' Painted Fingers.
2: Oh, fill me with all your colors and any different way To rid me of the gray and look ugly in the end but they're pretty in their own disgusting values we'd hang our portraits